Welcome to So You Think Your Car Is Fast, where we dive into the world of high-end, fast cars and explore what it truly means to have a fast car. From the latest in supercar technology to the mechanics that make these machines go, we'll separate fact from fiction and uncover the misconceptions about speed and power that exist in the minds of the general public. Join us as we put the pedal to the metal and discover what it takes to have a car that truly lives up to the title of fast. Well, Vipers are great. You know, uh, what they did in the, I guess it would be in the mid nineties was, was unprecedented. They, they made a performance car out of a bunch of American muscle and you can't argue with the numbers. It's, it's a little rough around the edges. The interiors on the older ones weren't really, uh, you know, up to, you know, supercar standards, but the performance numbers were, and it, you know, it's just a different, different kind of car, you know, um, my good friend Andy had one, and uh, I mean, I absolutely love that thing. Uh, Andy you know, that it, has the GT3 now. Andy, Andy G, blue GT3, Andy. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know, there, there, there's different ways to to solve different problems, right? And and the Viper is the I am going to solve this problem with a giant hammer. Okay, <laughs> that's probably and it's great, but you know, not everybody solves every problem with a giant hammer, so. You know, uh, I understand why everybody loves them. Uh, and, you know, when I used to go to drag strips again in the 90s, you know, people would always come up to me and be like, I only have four cylinders in that thing. What, what What's going on there? And they'd always, you know, tell you, like, you know, there's no replacement. What, what are you doing with that voice? What what, uh, <laughs> what what are you trying to personify there? I think that I think that's my bad redneck impression. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And. uh you know, they, they'd freak out that it was a four cylinder and then, you know, they'd tell me there was no replacement for displacement. And, you know, I think we were saying at the time, well, technology is, is the there, replacement. There literally is a replacement for displacement. But but now that they've figured now that that entire I say they but that entire, you know, section of of car guy has figured out forced induction. Uh, now you have, a you know, a nine liter people eater viper engine that yeah. is twin turbo and yeah yeah i mean we we can't compete with that i mean a three thousand horsepower car is you know like one of antonio's cars is just you know yeah they're they're pretty i look i i think they're cool I'm, i've i've been tempted every once in a while to buy one or you know but yeah when i got my transportation over everything i don't i don't know <laughs> I mean, yes, I think we're being trolled. Transportation, you got to buy a minivan. There is just nothing that beats the convenience of a minivan. Cheap, too. Yeah, $130,000, $150,000 just to get in the door in a, in, a, in a Viper now. Of course, Todd has two Vipers behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, the, the one time that guy showed up, uh, I was at Denton Dragway, and, he, and I, sure, we probably can't say this on the, the podcast. The eighth mile track? The eighth mile track, yeah. yeah. And I was running like sevens, seven nineteens in the eighth mile, something like that. And these guys were, you know, that was really fast back then. Oh, sure. And and uh these you know, these guys walk up and I mean, dude, the guy was wearing overalls yeah, and he was chewing on straw. I'm not making <laughs> this up. He he may have been the guy I had to run in at the same track back in like nineteen ninety eight. And and they had been drinking. It was obvious. 
and the guy is count trying to count my spark plug wires, but I think he was like seeing double. And so he had to count a couple times because it wasn't eight. And he's like, one, two, three, <laughs> four. And then he turns to his buddy and he says, well, it's a four banger. And I just, you know, I didn't know. I just pretended I didn't hear them because I, I, I had nothing to say. to. <laughs> I didn't know what to tell those guys. Yeah, I, yeah. I told you about my story at the Denton track, right? Um. No. I, I had my I had my old Fox body Mustang and we were bracket racing and there was this guy that had like this just clapped out I don't know I guess it could have been mid late 70s Camaro that he he was obviously sandbagging right like and uh but <clears throat> with the bracket racing if you if you go faster than your bracket you're out so we raced and we were racing for I can't remember I I it may have been I got a trophy that night I just don't remember what if it was first or second or third, but we were racing for this trophy and, and he let off at the end and right at the end I passed him. Right. And I had like a, like some friends and my parents were there and they were, they were, we were excited. Right. We were cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My son. Woohoo. And he came over to us and he was so mad and told me that, you know, I, I better put some money on the next race and you know, he could beat me. And, and I mean, he's probably like this 40 year old, I, at the time, I felt like 40 years old was was old. But he's like this 40-year-old dude heckling this this senior in high school. And I was like, I'll race you again. I don't care, but I'm not going to put money on it. And and so we raced. And he beat me. He did beat me again. And, man, I mean, he came over to rub that in my face. And I was like, is this this is for real, dude? You're, you're 40 years old, and this is what you're doing on your weekend to make yourself feel better. It was I, I was just, like, blown away. Most car guys I knew were pretty cool. But this guy, I mean, he... I seriously hurt his feelings and I did not mean to. I did yeah, not mean to. You know, there's those guys, uh, you know, everywhere you go. I, I mean, I, I used to hang out at drag strips on the weekends a lot and you, you see a lot of things, man. Yeah, you I'm see sure. A lot of things. I'm sure. It's a nice track. Uh, so, um, right now, as of now, I have no update on uh, my turbos. I don't know where they're going to come from. At this point, I've got. Have you made any progress since we talked about it the other day? Yeah, I got some pricing from okay. uh, Vivid Racing. I got pricing from Force Performance. Garrett wants to give me one. Um, Garrett only has uh, one, though, right? Yeah, they only they have only one have in their one. sponsor program, right? Uh, uh, but, did you call AMS? But, mm, no, I did not. Uh, but wait, but listen, Wayne told me to wait i don't know if i told you guys this no but uh he said that um because I, I called him i said hey um should i get the 1.21 you know exhaust uh, on, the on these new yeah on these on these new turbos because i don't want to be super laggy and he's like you know what we're doing a gtr right now at horsepower lounge that has a 3.8 and he can't push enough air on the 121s. I'm like, oh, I'm only a four liter. So you think I'm going to have that kind of problem too? He's like, you know, just wait because we're going to go down uh, to a 1.0 AR on these turbos and give it a dyno run and see see what happens. So he wants me to wait till next week to see kind of this back-to-back test that he's doing on the GTR. So, and well, this GTR is not a big power car. He, that, you know, he makes like... 1400 you know 13 1400 so 
and that's all they would oh, yeah, make small, on, small potatoes. on these turbos. They're G, the G35 1050. So um, I'm going to wait to see which AR to actually get. And, you know, it'll it'll likely be the either the 82 or the 100. I don't know. So, Do you, you have an 82 option? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I think okay. it was in the 63. Okay. Okay, I, I was thinking you were just deciding between the one, the one point and the one point two, and I was like, just get the one point then if he's already struggling with the one point two. Yeah, well, the I mean the thing is that turbine wheel uh, will flow more than the turbine wheel that Todd has now, right? Yeah, and Todd's on the point eight, whatever it is, point eight X turbine housing now, eighty two. So. If it's going, you know, I mean, it's going to make what, like 50 horsepower, 75 horsepower more per side is what we think. Yeah, I would say conservatively. Right. So, you know, I'd almost say put the 82s on it, but do you have, I don't know that you have uh, exhaust back pressure on the car right now, do you, EMAP? No. So we don't know what the back pressure is now, but yeah. I mean, if, if the 1.0s work okay, like I know from looking at your dyno sheets, your, your car makes like peak torque right around 5,500 as it sits, mm -hmm. which is great. Cause your power band is like 5,500 to 8,500, 8,800. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But like if on those 1.0s, the, 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 you know, peak torque is more like 6,000. 6100 yeah. on that uh gtr then it's probably not a very good idea to go to that big of a turbine housing yeah no you're right you're right i, I can't afford five six hundred rpm loss you know especially at a roll race which look roll races might be kind of on the way out because 2k is the only one that i know of of any significance and who knows well if jason do it again Jason even introduced a roll race time or a schedule at shift sector and nobody did it or right. at least I, at least very few. So I, I don't know. Well, the problem with roll racing is like, like roll racing in, in the way that we, you know, do it now is the start and yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, what people say it's impossible to start it fairly with a, with a person sitting there hitting. Yeah, the it's, there's too many variables and driving, you know, operator error kind of situation. How yeah. many times have you sat at a drag strip and watched two cars race and it all, you know, from the perspective that you're at, it looks like one car's ahead, then the other car's ahead. Then it looks like the other car is catching up. Right. And, and you're like, and then all of a sudden the wind light goes off and you, and you say, oh, well, you know, I, I couldn't even tell who was ahead. And so mm -hmm. as that perspective change happens, as the cars goes down the track, it's like impossible for our brain to reconcile. And we don't know who's ahead of who and we don't know who's going faster than who. And so the same thing happens to the starter. And what he tries to do is sit right at the point where he wants to start the race. But one of the one of the features and also one of the bugs of a roll race is that there's a starting zone so if you're going to do a roll race you roll into the starting zone and then any while the two cars are next the, the goal of the starter is 
while those two cars are next to each other at some point in there, he hits the green light and you go. So they're never going to be the same distance because of that, because the finish line is the finish line. It doesn't move. That's where you're trying to get to first, but the start can happen in it. And then the, the, the way these things are usually laid out, you know, 60 miles an hour is about 88 feet per second. So if you want to spend three seconds uh, in the starting zone, you know, you need a 250 odd foot starting zone. So you're, you know, your race length can vary by as much as 250, 300, sometimes depending how they set them up, 400 feet. So mm-hmm. how can a starter sit at the starting line to see where they're at? Yeah, it's, actually, just, it's just not precise. I mean, you can't. I actually built some technology to solve this problem uh, a, a while ago, uh, kind of tying into my day job. I, I built a roll racing starting system uh, and it it works and it will instrument the cars and actuate the system. But, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't really jumped on it. Um, you know, it's kind of something I have, but, um, we haven't found the right way to distribute it or, um, you know, make it a reality. Uh, we'd like to make Texas invitational go again and, uh, and, and maybe use it down there. But, you know, the, the, the momentum from roll racing got, got hurt dramatically a few years ago just because there was some real controversial uh, finishes. Mm. And, uh, and when, I, when I say controversial, I mean like, you know how when you watch a video on CNN or Fox News and it says the video appears to show and then you watch a video of a guy getting his head bashed in? It's like, I don't think it appears to show a guy getting his head it's bashed really in. It's really happening. I think it's really happening. So, you know... Is the same thing. I mean, it was obvious errors that were made, mm-hmm. and you know, people get upset at racetracks, and they and it's a very adrenaline fueled sport, and they don't make good decisions. So, yeah. um, I mean, I get I get why it started, right? I mean, it's the it's the quote unquote legal version of three honks and go on the street, but yep. uh, it's it's, I mean. It's a good try, I guess. That's the one thing that it needs, Dan. You're, you know, the, some kind of technology that you've created or someone else has created that just makes, you know, it just eliminates um, slingshotting and red lighting and all that stuff because there's a lot of redos um, in roll racing. So, but it it is it is a good a good type of racing to um, save on suspension and you know axles. Well, I'd love to see it come back because it's it's really what supercar or hypercar drag racing should be. Because as you mentioned earlier in our little talk here, you know, you don't like the look or the the feel of putting giant drag slicks on the back of your car. And mm-hmm. that's what you have to do to, to do a to do a drag race in order to, you know, really get the right performance out of the car and be competitive. And with a roll race, you don't have to do that. You can run you know, more street appropriate tires, you can run radials and, uh, you know, it's, it's not just destroying parts. Right. If that, if that, if that type of racing could come back, uh, in a, you know, more equitable form, but, you know, uh, Amar wants to do Texas invitational again. I think he's a little gun shy to do it because, uh, you know, all the negative attention, one of those, uh, iffy, uh, conclusions brings right bring, 
you know, a lot of, you know, cause everybody, cause here, you know, what happens is everybody gets online and whoever it is that they know and they like, they just start supporting them. And, you know, maybe they're even not the greatest, uh, at deciphering data and, and watching a video and understanding what was really happening. Cause most of those guys that were commenting on this, that they didn't understand how the start worked really, how the distance was variable. Right. You know, right. all those I just think things. even if you have two competitors that are honestly trying to make it equal, that's already hard. And then you introduce people in that are trying to take advantage. And I, I just, man, I don't, it blows my mind. Well, yeah, like Todd said, slingshotting. So slingshotting is basically what happens is you purposefully stay behind. And as you approach the starting zone, you take off early. And yeah. So then you're even with the guy that you're racing in the starting zone, but you're going 15 miles an hour faster than him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can do some math and figure out how much the cars weigh and what the speed differential is and actually come up with a number of how much horsepower of the other guy you're negating. So if you know roughly, um, you know, how much power the other guy makes or how much you think he makes, uh, you know, you can, you can do it in a way that you're, you know, negate his extra power and not get, not get caught and you know some of these guys are doing stuff like that yeah. and so it's really hard for the manual starting guy to see it and uh you know because of that perspective shift yep i, I went and I mean, talked to the people who make the hawkeye cameras you know like the uh for tennis and uh you know to tell you if the ball is in or the ball is out and they do the same thing for soccer goal line technology they have these can mm -hmm. this camera system out there that uh, you know, tell you if the ball went across the line and I, you know, I explained the, the parameters to them and they said, Oh yeah, no problem. We could go ahead and build that, uh, and uh, get you the parts. Here's the bill of materials. And it was $178,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, we might need to have a little bit more modest of a budget. So, you know, I, I did it in a different way, but. Interesting. Well, I mean, the, the slingshot, you know, arguably was invented by me, uh, but you know, I was young. <laughs> I was young and, um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at first. <laughs> I thought I was invented by that kid in the, uh, RX seven. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. That, that, that rookie, mm -mm, he stole that from me. He stole that from you. Yeah. I watched <laughs> you race don't, that guy. Don't the Todd. Okay. Seven don't times. Todd. This was before we knew each other, mm. uh, at Caddo Mills. Todd's in the finals for the manual car class or was it, uh, I think it was 175. 175 mile an hour class and uh, they go out and race and and i mean I, you you could see it it was so blatant what the kid was doing so i i think what you surely did todd was you you invented the slingshot defense this <laughs> i i invented it and then made a cure yeah so you jammed on the brakes and right, turned right. around just, just, yep yeah, because the the way it worked essentially was the guy running the race would call for a rerun and the cars would turn around, but Todd called for his own rerun and turned around, <laughs> and so it, it you know visually didn't look like a race anymore. So everybody just kind of went with it, and you had to go against this guy like five times. Oh, thirteen twenty posted, um, the video, Let's and see. Todd did, and and the guy kept cheating off the start. And Todd kept hitting the brakes and going back. And, uh, you know, I, I was watching with my friend, uh, Dan, actually. There's two Dans that day. And 
and we were like, I can't believe this is happening. And, and, and like Todd's just hitting the brakes. They're not telling him. Like I could see they weren't telling you to hit the brakes. You were just like, no, this is bull. Uh, <laughs> and turning around. And I was like, that's genius. It's old yep, silver I, car, 996. I don't know if you remember this, but I came up at, to you afterwards and told you good job for kicking that guy's ass. <laughs> How long ago was that? 2016? 15? Yeah, I don't know. Eight years, seven years ago. Good times. Guess what I'm doing this weekend? You're, the track? I'm learning how to turn on a real racetrack. Left yeah. and right? Le- well, I mean, I, I assume. I assume left and right, and got to use my brakes, too. Yeah, it's Eagles Canyon Raceway, so it's... Yeah, it's, the, the uh, never-lift philosophy, I, I, I can't... I can't take that advice for this weekend. No, you're going to, you're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going with my son and my dad are both in their cars. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, okay. So you're going to be in the GT three. Yep. Your son will be in the Mustang. Yep. And your dad will be in the, uh, it's a G 80 M three competition. All wheel drive. Ooh, cool. He, he cool. I, I mean, he's done several of the BMW events, not in his car, though, with their car. And that's that's his biggest worry is he's like, I can't drive as hard as I normally do. He goes, last time I went off the track a bunch of times and I didn't care. This is my car now. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, that's really. Fun. We'll see. It's going to be funny because I'm going to I'm going to show up in this GT3 with a you know roll bar and a nice carbon fiber helmet and shoes and gloves. And I'm going to be an idiot. I'm going to be such a poser because I've never done. Well, I tell before. you what, Taylor, seriously, um, get, get as much video. Cause I mean, that, that would make a decent podcast segment, you know? So yes, we try to turn. Yeah, yeah. Get some good. Video. I don't know. Come on. I mean, a- it's an it's an introductory course, so the racing is going to be pretty ah, tame, I'm sure. Gotcha. Uh, and I don't know if I have video equipment. I do have in my roll bar that's in the GT3, it's wired for a GoPro already, but oh, I've wow. never used it or, or experimented is, with it. So, What does wired for want? a GoPro mean? I mean, it, like the wires are run up through the cage and out the corner of the cage. So I'm sure with the GoPro cage mount and a GoPro, it's easy to set up. Is it for the audio or, I mean, what, what wires do you need for a GoPro? You I need don't know. power. I guess power. Okay. I guess that is a good point. There's wires. Be- there are wires coming There's out of the cage. Wire. I don't know what it's for. Look, the guy, I bought, the guy I bought the car from was honest. He told me he'd done like, I can't remember, six or eight track sessions with it. So, you know, well, maybe, maybe it's wired for a different camera system. Maybe. Yeah. That could be. Or a microphone. It could be a microphone. Yeah, Is there like a little eighth inch mini mail, mail plug in the end of one of them for a microphone? I don't know. Cool. I'll have to look. Take some pictures you know, of the plug. We'll tell you what it is. Okay. I want to, speaking of GoPros, I want to, I want to come out with some different angles. I, I want to mount, I want to mount a camera in the engine compartment. I, I don't know if that, is a good idea or not, but that'd be kind of cool, that. right? I've done that before actually, because I had an exhaust that was coming in, like when the car went into, went under full power and when the engine was moving around, something was tapping. Mm. 
and I had to adjust the exhaust to get rid of it. So I put a camera back there to see where what it was. Let's see where. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what are the best angles? I mean, on top, facing forward. I mean, when we're doing a half mile run, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's best to show the other car, obviously. Facing forward is boring. Um, you know, obviously, I really the like your need for speed angle with the with the big arm. Yeah, the the the, the POV that's definitely gonna that's here to stay for sure. But I'm thinking of other like the footwell was pretty cool. I but once maybe that's fun. But it's not as the footwell in my car is not terribly cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> two pedals, two pedals is boring. Well, right. look, if you want Taylor, you can pedal. You can take my uh, 360 GoPro. Todd and I have the same one. And then all you got to do is just I get think a clamp. I have one somewhere. Just get a clamp on mount and stick it on your roll bar, and then you've got everything in the car. Yeah, but the problem is, is I mean, we're going real early Saturday morning. It's Thursday, and Amazon is like challenged at the moment. Yeah, I'm not getting anything from Amazon with my ring light still isn't here. I want to do like, I, I, I admire Todd for maybe that's a strong word. I, uh, recognize <laughs> and get excited about, uh, you know, his camera angles and stuff. And I'd like to do that to just to have more content, but man, I can barely remember the two or three things I got to do when I get up to the starting lane anyway. Absolutely. That's why yeah, you got to do stop doing the cameras was because it's just too much work. And then you could turn it on and just have like hours of footage, but I'm not going to go back and edit that. I mean, I, I barely look at any pictures I take anyway. So do you I see do. the pain that I'm going through in these events to get this footage for you? I do. It's, it's not lost on us, Todd. I do still have that <laughs> video of me hitting the windshield wipers instead of the anti-lag at Texas Invitational. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm racing this guy, right? We're all lined up. It's a good start. And all of a sudden my windows are going. Got to get that bug off, man. Gotta and he's driving off. off, and I'm. Well, that's that's the that's the inherent problem that you get when you got all your your OEM stocks and buttons that are supposed to be doing all this other trickery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my anti lag is is on the the uh, the what is it the cruise control stock, mm -hmm. right? So press it in just to turn it on, and then hold it down. So my I have to hold it down with my right hand left hand on the steering wheel and then full throttle and then reach for the, I think I'm in second. So I got to reach down and then go right to third um, without, you know, money shifting the engine. So what you're there's saying a lot going on. That's why I don't do the anti-lag on the roll race. Yeah. We need to set it up so that it's a button that is mine supposed to have that feature on my Cyvex. I was reading through the manual the other day. I don't know if we've set it up because it's just been a, I never used it. You've had other things to, to do. Other I things. mean, it's, yeah. When, when you get the car sorted, then you get to work out the, the, the other fun stuff. Um, yeah. you know, fortunately I, I've had, I've had a while to, to play with cameras and things like that because you know, the car has been sorted for a while, but I think hopefully, well, who knows if I'm going to go back to another month or six months of, of testing and dialing, dialing the car back in after we get it back. But I hope not. I hope it, I hope it sorts pretty quick.